You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, August 2nd. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or... Recently just launched, Just Baseball. Uh, really love that website. Great stuff over there for sure. Or maybe Pop Culture Entertainment by any chance. If you're interested in that stuff, you can find my work at places like Mental Floss, Inverse, Nerdist, Blight Disgusting, Film Cred, and more. And hopefully many more to come. But most importantly, this is the most important thing. I mean, I'm plugging myself, but this is the most important thing, guys. You can check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres. Or my personal account, which is at Javapeno. And that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, only, I mean only, if you feel so inclined, guys, you can check me out on there. Hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have. And I do, I always do my best to get back to you. And maybe even get back to you here on the show. And for today's show, guys, uh, we are brought to you first by Locked On MLB. Join Walking Baseball Encyclopedia. Paul Francis Sullivan, but please, just promise me one thing. Call him Sully, okay? It's really important. Every day on Locked on MLB for a unique look at the majors, both past and present, featuring exciting guest interviews and routine check-ins from Locked on MLB Network's team of local experts. Subscribe to Locked on MLB today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast, guys. Uh, Man, woo! It's been a while since I feel like I've talked to y'all. You know what I mean? Um, uh, it, it really does. It really does. There's a lot to discuss a lot to discuss from this past weekend and and not I don't it's one of those things where I have to work through everything that happened this weekend because you have the Rocky series you have trade deadline stuff so it's gonna take a little bit I'm not gonna lie uh, but we're gonna start with the easy stuff and then hopefully transition into some of my feelings about some other topics right first let's talk about this Rocky series that the Padres end up splitting they won that first game on Thursday which was the last time that I had recapped the game for you guys they won 3-0 which was you know, lovely. Who doesn't like winning 3-0? It's, you know, somewhat high stress just because, you know, you're not used to it. But Joe Musgrove had a great outing. Love that guy. And then on Friday, my birthday, uh, the Padres get absolutely crushed. And part of it is because, uh, you know, the world likes to make me miserable, I think. So I do take uh, blame for that. And for some reason, the Rockies, who don't want to trade John Gray, who gets a start in this game, they probably should have traded him. He, of course, does well for them because, like I said, baseball gods do not exist. They do not police this sport. I don't know how many times I have to tell you guys. For a variety of reasons. The Rockies, very foolish, in my opinion, that they didn't sell uh, anybody. Especially Trevor Story, who would have had huge value heading into the season. And instead, they're going to give him a qualifying offer. Qualifying offer. They'll give him a qualifying offer, and then he'll reject it, and then they'll get some compensation pick that will never even amount into anything because the Rockies are incompetent. So, congratulations to Colorado. Sorry, but it's true. Uh, Really, the big thing in this game, though, is that Ryan Weathers gets the start, and it's easily, and I mean easily, his worst outing of the year. That's right, worst outing of the year. You thought that the Washington outing was a little eh? You thought that the Cubs outing from way back whenever the heck we play them? I forgot. No, no, no. The, not, not even close. In this game, he goes four innings, which isn't bad, but he gives up eight earned runs 
on eight hits, walking three, and striking out two. It raised his ERA nearly a full run. It went from 2.73 to 3.65. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I just alluded to it. It was my birthday, so I didn't get to tune into too much of the game, especially since I was outside, uh, like at, at my friend's house, you know, hanging out outside, which is a whole other story. But basically, we were there and just hanging out, having pizza, playing a little pong and, and all that stuff, you know. And, and I, of course, dominating as I always do in the old beer pong. But uh, really, I, I just didn't get a chance to see too much of the game. But from what I understand, uh, the only really positive that comes from this is that Manny Machado hits two home runs. And Manny Machado, OPS over like 1,000 the last month, he's looked like an MVP candidate, uh, especially with, you know, a certain other thing that occurred this weekend. Uh, it was really just a nightmare. It really was just a nightmare. And I'm just going to get into that other thing right now. So the Padres lose this game. You have the trade deadline, which does not go... The way we would have liked. I mean, let's just be honest. After, in my opinion, I think that where I'm settling on it, and we're going to talk about this in the next segment, is that I think it's worse that the Dodgers made such a big move and the Padres didn't. But you have some disappointment after the deadline that they are unable to kind of acquire a starter uh, that you're going to feel somewhat confident in, or even just a starter who you think could help out the back end of the rotation, especially since, you know, with Lamette hurt, with Paddock being a, a wild card all the time, you would think, oh, let's get it back in the rotation guy. That doesn't happen. So it's like, all right. Ryan Weathers is going to ball out tonight and remind us that, you know, we don't need that. No, instead he gets lit up for his worst outing of the year against one of the worst teams in baseball. And it's not like they were even in Colorado. I'm speaking really fast today, guys, because I'm sad. It was a cursed weekend for the Padres. Um, Ryan Weathers was not good. Uh, and then, on top of all that, on top of losing the game, Fernando Tatis Jr. on a slide into third base trying to elude a tag, re-aggravates the shoulder, shoulder subluxation. He looks like he's in tremendous pain. And, like, it was one of those moments. I remember, I, and here's the thing. I, like I said, I did not get to see too much of this game. I get to go on Instagram every now and then. I fire it up. The old Instagram application on the iPhone which is what I was using, and I see what happened. I see I get the news alert and all that stuff. I get the all the notifications. There's a couple of people who messaged me. I'm like, ah, oh, great. Can't even enjoy my day. I can't even have that. You already made me suffer at the deadline. And now here I am. Even worse, even worse. Uh, it was revealed, basically, in an MRI, according to the Padres, that he suffered the, the shoulder subluxation, like I said. But uh, that apparently, according to what I've heard, is that there's no extreme further damage. He did not suffer any additional structural damage to the shoulder that he had already had you know, previously after that scary incident very early on in the year. So that's the good news. The bad news is that it's that same injury that we're all worried about. And he's back on the IL, 10-day IL. And, um... Look, the way I see it is basically the same way I saw it before. If it is true that he's not suffering any sort of uh, extra damage from this and that he can play through it the way he's basically been playing through it all season, then I'd expect Tatis back relatively soon in the grand scheme of things. I'm not saying, like, the minimum 10-day requirement, but I imagine that he's going to be back, of course. That's assuming that the Padres uh, know all the information and whatnot. It's one of those things, as Kevin Acey mentioned also on Twitter and, and a bunch of other guys kind of... Um, you know, relitigated as well is basically this. It's not a question of whether or not he'll get the surgery. The question is when he'll get it. Right? It's probably going to be an off-season thing, given that the Padres are, despite you know how pessimistic and you know cynical I've been about the team so far in this podcast, and especially just 
personally, uh, you know, like they're still expected to be a contender uh, for sure. And at, at minimum, they are a wild card team. And that's still pretty good. So you're not going to shut Tatis down. If the Padres were out of it, which they aren't, don't listen to the freakouts on Twitter. There's reason to be passionately upset with the way that the things have gone for the Padres as of, you know, the last like 72 plus 24, like 96 hours plus. Uh, it's okay to be upset. But at the same time, uh, it's still a contending team. And I'm hoping that things can improve. And we're going to talk about uh, some of that stuff, and we're gonna recap like the last couple games. I'm also probably gonna want to just talk about the trade deadline again, anyway. I, I mean, that's something that's just we're gonna have to talk about on today's podcast, guys. But before we get into that, I just want to mention to you guys, BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season obviously full swing, you know, the trade deadline just passed and all that, and you've got all the NBA stuff. We just had the draft, and they've got all the NHL, UFC, MMA action. All right, not just baseball, but they've got all of your sporting needs covered. Before the next pitch, uh, head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember to use that promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, guys, your online sportsbook experts. And we are back, everybody. Let's keep it moving through this kind of really hazy, loopy-doopy uh, podcast, I guess. Because, like I said, it's, it was it was a little bit of an unfortunate weekend. And that continues on with Saturday's game. We're going to talk about Saturday and Sunday's game. Let's get into Saturday really quickly, uh, which was another uh, sad loss for the Padres. They lose this one 5-3. to three, um, And it was a U Darvish start. Now, I'm not surprised that Herman Marquez was very good in this game, going six innings, only giving up two runs. That guy's a beast, man. He's the best pitcher probably in Colorado Rockies, like, at least recent 20-year franchise history. He's been absolutely phenomenal, and uh, you got to give the guy credit, and I think that he would be awesome if he wasn't on the Rockies. I think that Marquez was a dude that was a trade target for a lot of teams. However, and I didn't realize this, he's only 26, and if he's only 26 and he's the best pitcher you've had and you've got club control, then it's not surprising to me that the Rockies are keeping him. I think the Rockies blew it at the deadline. I think they should have got rid of Story. I even think they should have explored things with Tapia, because I think Tapia, while he is a flawed player, his slash line's pretty good, like a 280. 340 on base type of guy and he he has some mistakes don't get me wrong he's not a perfect player but I think that guy could have at least fetched you some sort of value for contending teams especially who might need an extra outfield hey even maybe it seemed like the Brewers who knows I don't know exactly but like I I do think that that was uh very foolish and obviously Trevor Story was just like what are you doing I mean I'm not like fully on board the Trevor Story bandwagon I think he's a solid player but I do worry about those home road splits uh at least personally I think it worries me I think there's worry that his power doesn't travel but anyway we're talking about the Rockies and Padres guys the bigger thing of this game is that uh you Darvish once again had a pretty rough start uh he goes six innings in this game giving up five runs on five hits walking two striking out eight the only positive that you can say about you Darvish over the last month or so is that his strikeout rate is still pretty good uh and is combined with his walk rate he is whiffing enough bats but even still uh if you look at basically since June 21st or uh, not June 21st June 27th he's raised his ERA uh by more than a run basically so he went from a 2.4 to now all of a sudden a 3.48 again I know ERA ERA doesn't tell the full story all the time, but it's just a nice encapsulator, right? And you Darvish has been looking fairly mediocre, and the basic thing about that and what the discourse, and I think that we need to really talk about this as much as I think that it got 
it's not that it got overblown as a topic. It's just that it's been regurgitated so many times that it kind of drives you insane. And that's the whole sticky stuff situation, right? Basically, ever since the the MLB started cracking down on that stuff, Yu Darvish has looked a lot more mortal, uh, and that is evidenced by his spin rate decline, right? You can look at his RPM. It decreased just as much. I know everyone likes putting those screenshots of guys' spin rates and all that, and in fairness, there was a lot of players whose spin rates went down, even Corbin Burns, but it feels like Yu Darvish... Uh, hasn't been able to fully maybe accommodate for that. And I, I do think that he'll be okay. I do think there is something to be said for the fact that Yu Darvish has like nine pitches that he can use. And I think that he will figure it out and might just be going through a really rough stretch. But it is quite the rough stretch. Let's look at it. Like I said, since June 27th, when he had a really good start against the the Diamondbacks, only giving up a run, striking out seven. He's give, He gave up four runs in six innings against Philly. Not awful. Then he's a really bad start against Washington. A very uncharacteristically bad, in my opinion, start against the Nationals, going three innings, giving up six runs. And then in the next start, five and two-thirds, he gives up two runs. And then against Miami, five innings, gives up four runs. And then in Colorado, uh, giving up five runs. So I think that what's so concerning is that you thought the Miami and Colorado games were going to be the type of games that you bounce back, right? And I think that that's been what the case is for Darvish here, is that he hasn't. However, I have to admit, look, you look at the upcoming games that he's got. If he struggles in his next start, then maybe we start hitting the alarm button. But like I said, such a great repertoire, and he's been good for so long. He was literally an all-star. Not to mention, there are other people who have been affected by the sticky stuff thing, guys. Corbin Burns is a great example, and he's been fine. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying you Darvish is as good as Corbin Burns, but I'm just saying I think he's going to figure it out. I just think he's adjusting. Personally, personally, I think it's good that baseball decides to crack down on this, but I have to admit, I did think it was a little bit wrong of them to do this midseason. It just feels very, like... Wait a minute, so you guys didn't really have a problem with this, even though it was kind of a big open secret, but then now that it started being talked about a little bit more, and because offense was so down, then you decide to just rush into it mid-season? I didn't really like that. Again, no surprise, considering that the league is not exactly, you know, run by uh, the greatest people in the world uh, over at the commissioner's office, but uh, I I do agree with pitchers, and then you guys know that says a lot for me. Because I don't like giving pitchers any credit. I, I hate pitchers, and I think that they're always looking at you for excuses a lot of times. But the bigger thing is I don't like the unwritten rule stuff. But anyway, that's a whole other conversation uh, entirely. In this game, you know, you get some some nice hits from Jake Cronenworth and Austin Nola. Jake Cronenworth uh, hits the home run in this game, and he also ends up hitting a home run in tomorrow's game. I should say Sunday's game, uh, which is nice. Maybe he's starting to heat back up just a tiny bit. He's been not bad, but he's been, you know fine lately so maybe he starts to really heat up again and start looking like the beast that he is i'm not worried about him whatsoever um i'm, I'm less worried about jake kernworth than i am about the padres sometimes let me tell you <laughs> let, let me tell you but uh that's enough of that specific game guys now let's move on to the next game that happened which was sunday's game the most recent game that the padres successfully won they win this one 8-1 And it was nice because it came against Austin Gomber, who hasn't been, like, an elite pitcher this year, but he's been killing the Padres for whatever reason, as, like, every single one of his pitches that he's been throwing, the four pitches that he throws... From obviously, you know, his fastball to his slider, change up the curveball. Uh, especially, the I think, the latter two of the most. The Padres were just struggling against them. And in this game, that was not the case. He only lasts one inning, giving up four earned runs on four hits, walking two, striking out three. Uh, it was a lovely day for the Padres. A nice little bounce back game. I wasn't... I didn't know if they were going to lose this one or not. 
Honestly, granted, this is a little bit lazy analysis, but since Gomber had been so bizarrely effective against the Padres of all teams, I actually thought that he was due to just not be able to do that for the, like the third time, right? So uh, that doesn't happen in this case, and we have a lot of scoring in this one. Like I said, 8-1. Uh, Jake Cronenworth hits a double. Hassan Kim hits a double, which is really fun. Hassan Kim really likes to hit, it looks like, uh, as a pull hitter a little bit, and he's probably going to get some more play now with Tatis injured, uh, which I actually am kind of looking forward to. To. Hassan Kim, the most, uh, dare I say, like, the, not the worst, that's not the, the best way to put it, but for what he's produced as a batter, uh, I don't think there's a Padre that is liked, like, the discrepancy between how much Padres fans seem to love Hassan Kim versus what his production is as a batter is pretty hilarious to me. I just think people like him, but I think people really like the hair. Every time he gets put in, you have this feeling that he's starting to get it, get, get it going, so shouts to Hassan Kim. Eric Hosmer gets a double in this game, that's when you know things are going really well. Will Myers gets an RBI single, and then we get a Hassan Kim solar home run, which was probably my favorite moment of the entire game. Uh, like I said, basically a total Padres right bat. Reese Kinnear uh, being the starting pitcher uh, of this game, going three innings, only giving up a run and striking out two, which is very nice. Granted, I, I know he got a little bit of crap because his starts that he's had for the Padres have been extremely overwhelming, but he is a minor league dude. It's not like he's a top prospect, uh, and he's, you know, kind of being that guy that could just give us innings, it feels like at this point. Um, and then Craig Stam is able to go an inning. Tim Hill goes an inning. Gets actually three strikeouts, too, which was awesome. Pierce Johnson, Drew Pomeranz, Emilio Pagan, and Miguel Diaz closing things out. Miguel Diaz, uh, again... I keep saying that he gets a little bit too much hate. I know he had that blow up against the Nationals, but just in general, he's a pretty decent guy. Uh, everybody in this bullpen is just so unbelievable. That's what's it, it doesn't get discussed enough. I don't think that. I don't know where the Padres would be without such a good bullpen, considering that their starting pitchers, especially over the last month and a half or so, have been so inconsistent and all over the place. Yeah, you'll get a Paddock start that's nice every now and then, but with how you Darvish has been, which we talked about already, and to you know Blake Snell, obviously, it's just very nice to see that uh, the bullpen is just very, very consistent, uh, even when they do have some heartbreaking ones like against the Nationals. Bottom line is they've been good all year, and they're arguably the, the MVP of the team, if not for, for Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, it's just been uh, incredible to watch them. And it makes you wonder like how the Philadelphia Phillies can't even find one guy as good as the worst guy in the Padres' bullpen. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so that's basically it for that game. There really wasn't much to talk about uh, in it too much. They split the series. Uh, it is annoying that the Padres don't play better against the Rockies. I don't know how they're 8-8 eight and eight against them. It's just weird. Uh, and hopefully they're able to step up. They're going to play them again soon uh, after this Oakland series that they start on Tuesday. We have a day off tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, uh, you just got to play better, man. You got to play better, man. And before we kind of conclude by talking about the trade deadline stuff and giving where I think the Padres are right now and why it felt like such a cursed weekend aside from the Tatis injury aside from some of the losses just give my updated viewpoint of the trade deadline and what happens to the biggest chunkiest part of the podcast let me talk to you guys about the best protein bars in all the land of course I'm talking about built bars guys they are so so yummy they cover in 100% chocolate they're soft and easy to chew and they've got all these flavors from coconut to cookies and cream to cherry barcia to orange strawberry German chocolate they have everything including limited time flavors that pop up every now and then like carrot cake grasshopper cookie and more to come to be sure but most importantly guys 
They are protein bars, which means they are healthy for you. How about that? On top of all that, they're also healthy for you. Uh, most flavors, they've got 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. What are you waiting for, guys? What are you waiting for? Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's right, guys. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, everyone, we are now wrapping this bad boy up. Uh, just final segment. Want to talk a little bit about the deadline stuff that went down. Uh, I've been saving it for the end just because, look, it was a really rough weekend. I, I just already talked about how you have Friday, everything bad goes down. The Padres are unable to really make a splash. You say Jose Barrios, who I talked about on Friday's pod, uh, as being, hey, maybe AJ Preller decided, I think I can get Barrios, and I would rather do that and have him over control for a whole year. And you just didn't know. There was a whole day left. And instead, we don't get that. I do think that, objectively speaking, we had, without a doubt, one of the most exciting trade deadlines ever. There were genuine fire sales that happened at this deadline. I know what we we like mention that every year, that this team's going to have a fire sale, and they're going to trade a bunch of people. But it rarely happens. And in this case, we got two fire sales. You got the Nationals that just decide to help the Dodgers because we're all cursed and living in hell. Uh, and it sucks. But they decided to do that. And then the Cubs genuinely sold everybody. I'm not like necessarily... Like, I think that it was smart of the Cubs. I get that why they had to do that. It's sad. I felt sad seeing that Chris Bryant video of his reaction after he got traded to the Giants. Uh, just, just him like literally like being emotional. It's probably like, I bet you those, you know, Rizzo, Baez, uh, hey, Jake Arrieta, I know he hasn't been very effective, but like even Jake Arrieta, I bet all those guys don't have to pay a dime for food in Chicago. They are just treated like kings there and they genuinely loved it and you can tell that the community loves them. So it, it was definitely really a, a lot to go through, but uh, there was a lot of fire sales and Jose Barrios ends up going to the Blue Jays and granted, here's the thing, let's talk about the Padres now. The Blue Jays gave up a lot for Jose Barrios, and I do think that with that package in mind that they gave up Austin Martin, among others, which is a top-catching prospect. Uh, they're two and five prospects in the Blue Jays system they gave up, so it was a lot. I like the deal for the Blue Jays personally. My thing is always proven commodities, and guys, they have control of him for a whole nother year. I don't know why people are kind of devaluing that they're like oh it's it's Jose Barrios for another year but it's like bro they've got Alec Manoa still Robbie Ray has low-key been amazing for them and they've got Jose Barrios so like that's not too bad and they have Hunjin, Hunjin Rio and maybe they can make some other sort of trade as time goes along so that's like a decent rotation I think people are sleeping on the fact that the Blue Jays could absolutely uh, make some make a run at things at least I think um but for what they gave up I'm not totally shocked that AJ probably didn't pull the trigger now this is where all the debates come in, right? Because the number one thing that the Padres needed was starting pitching. And one of the things that I've talked about is how I think that the answer to that isn't necessarily getting the best guy on the market, right? It could be getting someone who's a little bit undervalued. I even think Andrew Heaney to the Yankees is the type of guy that would have been an interesting buy low candidate for the Padres. I really do. I know that sounds crazy, but I really do. And maybe they couldn't get it done. Maybe it didn't make sense. He just figured I'd rather stick with AJ, Pre uh, not duh. I, I think AJ Preller might've figured I'd rather stick with just the Ryan Weathers and Donaldson Lament will come back and all that stuff. And this clearly just wasn't the type of trade market that Preller likes to operate in he is he is the god we worship him so much and we should continue to worship him i know that he didn't pull off the grand move but bottom line is he did get daniel hudson by the way forgot to mention that i said uh 
Daniel Bard, I think, on Friday's episode, not Daniel Hudson uh, from the Nationals, which who is the one that the Padres acquired, which is nice. Uh, so my apologies about that. Again, I recorded that episode at like 2.30 in the morning. I was very, very tired. Uh, but, you know, I think that A.J. Prowler deserves a little bit of criticism, certainly, because I don't like prospect fetishization. Like, look at the Yankees fans right now and Jason Dominguez. Like, I, look, if you guys want to go listen to the Just Baseball podcast, obviously, you know, full disclosure, I'm part of that. But, like, they talked with Eric Hubs of Barstool Sports, who's like, I'm only trading Jason Dominguez if I'm getting Shohei Otani. And it's like it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like they, they, he's like an 18 year old dude who has a bunch of peripherals that are great, but everybody acts like he's for sure going to be the second coming of, 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 you know, Babe Ruth. Like it's amazing how highly people regard prospects when on average, most of them at best become like average, you know, players like a Rommel Tapia, you know what I mean? Who I just mentioned earlier. So that's a little bit weird for me, but at the same time, while I don't like the prospect fetishization that goes on, I don't want to like totally rip AJ Preller because bottom line is those are still assets. They still have Mackenzie Gore. What if AJ Preller, we trust him and he knows that this guy's going to be good at some point and he's going to figure it out in the minors. Maybe he knows CJ Abrams is a legitimate stud. I don't know exactly where he's going to play when he finally is called up. Second base, maybe I I don't I don't know because Adam Frazier and all that right, and you have you know uh, Hassan Kim who you brought over, so I don't exactly know for sure what his spot is. Uh, and then you have guys like Rob Hassel who I wouldn't have minded them trading. He's still a very very raw prospect with a a floor that's very high, but I don't know if his upside is as high as the the last two. And then you have Luis Campuzano who I'd argue is the one prospect I'm the most like I, I don't want to give him up because I'm not convinced. Because he's been injured so much, I just don't know if, like, are we sure Austin Nola's the guy? Like, are we absolutely sure? It's just kind of been something that we were told. Like, they traded for him at the deadline last year, and he was okay. Not great. Definitely not as good as he was with the Mariners. And we've kind of just, like, accepted, and we're like, oh, yeah, that's our catcher. It's like, well, I think he's okay. He's not a bad player, certainly. Uh, he's actually a lot better defensively than you would think, uh, especially in terms of pitch framing and such. And throwing out runners, he's a little bit better, too. Uh, even though he just hasn't had a lot of games this year, it's like, okay, he's fine. You could do worse for sure. But it's like, I don't think we're certain about that. You know what I mean? Uh, unlike the other positions, I don't think we're sure. So I wouldn't want to give Luis Campizano up. But in a package for somebody like Jose Barrios, who I think is a legitimate like great guy, I'm not just saying saying this because uh, he's Puerto Rican and you guys know how I feel about Puerto Rican players. Uh, I'm not just saying it because of that. I genuinely think that like he was an all-star before and I think that people are just, they view him as a guy that just hasn't been like a super duper star. So I'm very curious to see how things go for him with the Blue Jays. He actually had in his debut uh, a pretty good game going six innings, giving up no earned runs. But I kind of get if AJ Peller didn't want to do that. The way I view it, here's my soundbite of the podcast. The way I view it is, The worst thing that happened is that the Dodgers got Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Not necessarily that the Padres didn't make a move, right? That's how I view it. That and that those are two separate things in my opinion. That that a little bit, at least. A little bit at least, right? I just think that it's so unfortunate and I don't really know how I feel about it. Like I said, I don't know if this is bad for baseball, uh, that you just have this this super team apparently in the Dodgers who are just like, we're just going to keep spending money like forever. Uh, I kind of do respect the fact that they do spend money and don't just hoard it for themselves. But at the same time, I do think there needs to be some for competitive balance sake, some type of luxury tax or floor. I haven't decided on which one, but it is a little bit weird. It's like the Dodgers have been, the Padres have been the best they've been 
in 20 years and they've built their team really well with through smart trades and you know a, a, a decent amount of development not that that's what they're known for but a lot of trades because of AJ Preller and then the Dodgers are like cool we're gonna sign Trevor Bauer he's gonna end up being accused of all these things and being a, a jerk uh, and it won't even matter we're just gonna get Max Scherzer and what frustrated me so much and I talked about this a little bit on Friday's podcast is I don't understand how the Nationals didn't ask for, or at least the Dodgers didn't have to give up Gavin Lux in that deal. How is it that they only had to give up prospects, including a catching prospect that they've been trying to get rid of for like a year and a half now? The Dodgers have been shipping him off, and there's been rumors about him that they've been wanting to just trade him. Like, they've been absolutely willing to trade him. So you take him from uh, the Nationals, but you can't even ask for one of the starters on that team. It's just like, is Mike Rizzo like trying to help them? It's very, very weird, and that was frustrating, right? It's one thing for them to get Scherzer. It's another thing for not only for it to be basically reported that he's coming to the Padres, but then to to end up being not really true, as A.J. Preller kind of talked about, and then he ends up on the freaking Dodgers, along with Trey Turner, as like a throw-in. He's only like a top-five shortstop in baseball. You know what I mean? Like It's just absolutely ridiculous that they now have two top-five shortstops and that the worst player in their lineup has won an MVP before and Cody Ballinger. So really, that's kind of how I feel. So I, I'm, I'm in between. Again, I think I'm going to talk to more people uh, to try and have them maybe influence me, talk me off the edge a little bit. But I really would have liked to see the Padres kind of do a little bit more. Maybe he's super confident Lamette's going to come back and be healthy. Maybe AJ Preller is like, I believe in Blake Snell. Maybe he, and maybe irrationally so, by the way. We don't know. Uh, maybe he believes Chris Paddock is going to get a lot better. Maybe he thinks Mackenzie Gore is like, you'd be selling low on him right now and that he's going to be an absolute stud. But the way I see it is... The the Yankees, they were looked at as a team that everyone's like, how do you even improve that roster? They're so screwed, right? All of a sudden, they have Joey Gallo, Anthony Rizzo, and even Andrew Heaney, who I mentioned before, uh, that I actually think could be okay for them. And all of a sudden, they they sweep the Marlins, and they might you know, be a little bit in the driver's seat. We'll have to see uh, how the momentum plays out in their next series against Baltimore. But that's how I feel. I still think it would have been nice to get Barrios. But above all else, let me tell you one thing. If they had gotten rid of Eric Hosmer... If they, they didn't even have to add anybody important, you give me Patrick Wisdom of the Cubs, whatever, right? That would have been a bigger deal for me. If they were able to offload that contract, save a little bit of money, make ownership more, I don't know, comfortable with the idea of going after some more guys. If you were able to dump that Hosmer contract, I think that would have been just immaculate. I really, really do. Even if they hadn't acquired anybody like a superstar, like a Barrios, like a, you know, Kenta Maeda, who I know didn't get traded anywhere, but still... Uh, that would have been sublime, but it was rough, and it was rough, and I'd say like 90, maybe like 85% of the reason that it was rough was because they reported that we got him. It was like, Ken Rosenthal really messed up, and AJ Preller came out saying that it was totally inaccurate at the time, basically, Uh, and that's, that's just how the cookie crumbles, and that's why I was miserable. Again, I don't know, this is still the best team they've had in like 20 years, and bottom line is those assets are still there. Who's to say AJ Preller in the summer when for some reason we find out that Shane Bieber becomes available, I'm being dead, uh, I doubt that he would be. I'm, I'm less optimistic. I'm just saying though. You know what I mean? The Indians love selling. What if all of a sudden Shane Bieber becomes available and he's like, okay, I'll trade for that guy? We don't know for sure. And not to mention they get Mike Clevenger back next year. So bottom line is they still have those assets, whether they want them to be on the major league team or not. But at the same time, I can't help but look at teams like the Yankees, teams like the Giants. The Giants, by the way, also winners of the deadline, in my opinion, because they love doing this. They just go dead radio silent and you don't hear a peep. I mean, not a peep. 
Everyone was wondering, what are the Giants doing? And what happens? They trade for Chris Bryant. Fun little storyline this weekend. Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, all of them homering in their first games, debuting for their respective clubs. And who say you can't be romantic about baseball, right? Uh, just absolutely insane from them. Uh, can't wait to play the Giants, to be honest with you. And if you guys don't mind me saying... I hope if the Padres don't end up doing it, they can't beat the Dodgers. I would absolutely love if the Giants did. I would love if the Mets did. You know what I mean? Anyone beating the Dodgers would be great. Screw them. I thought it was an awful, boring move, and it just shows that they're cowards and they're scared of us. That's the way I see it. But unfortunately, bottom line is they're ahead of us in the standings right now by three games. Gotta play better against these subpar teams. Seriously. And we got this series coming up against Oakland that I'm excited for, but nonetheless, uh, I'm nervous about because I just don't trust a lot of the pitching. And I just wish that we could, if they just had Blake Snell performing like an average pitcher, if he was as good as Robbie Ray has been this year, if he was as good as, heck, Jordan Montgomery, heck, the guy for the Rockies, Austin Gomber. It'd be a lot different, and I think we wouldn't feel as annoyed that AJ Pearl wasn't able to land a starter. But nonetheless, we'll see what happens. I really would have liked Barrios, guys, I have to say. Although, you know, I'm not the GM of the team, right? And AJ Pearl has got us here in the first place. Uh, and before wrapping up, guys, that's it. That's all I have to say, really, for today's episode. We'll see. Like I said, I'm going to keep coming back and forth to this trade deadline and how I feel about it. I Like I said, just one more time. The, the soundbite of the podcast is I feel like we're all we wouldn't be as devastated if it hadn't been reported that Max Scherzer was close to a deal with this with the San Diego Padres. I think if that hadn't happened, this gets viewed a little bit differently. Uh, and, and the other thing is, like I said, if the, if the Dodgers just went out and improved slightly, even if they just got Trey Turner alone, I think that just that's part of it, right? I think it was more to do with the Dodgers improving than the Padres' um, lack of improving at the deadline. Uh, but with that all said, I feel like I repeated a lot of my points, guys. But let me just mention to you guys to go check out the Locked On Bets podcast podcast it's really good you don't have to make betting on the Padres a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling get daily picks blowout specials wrong team favorite picks and Lee Sterling's lock of the day follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts guys really fun stuff over there they are always killing it over on Locked on Bets so be sure to check it out and in terms of this week uh, I don't know. I've got some writings coming up for just baseball, hopefully, that I can get out there. That should be fun. And otherwise, I don't exactly know what I'm doing for tomorrow's episode. I might just see who's available, uh, locked on host, and we might just talk about the deadline stuff. I feel like that's all there is to talk about. Uh, maybe I'll bring on Ben Caspic because I don't, you know, we don't play the Giants for a while, and I actually am in the mood to talk to Ben. So maybe I'll ask him if he's down. Uh, we'll see, though. Either way, Onwards, ladies and gentlemen. And with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya Overcast, wherever. Be sure to send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcasts app. I would greatly appreciate that. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.